one of my favorite quotes that if you diminish your expectations, Mm -hmm. anything seems everything. And so going into these, and there's another quote too, that I think is in line with that, which is be open to everything and attached to nothing. And obviously I think that's more on just your belief side and the idea side, but I love those two because I do my best to really minimize expectations in general in life, but also being open to everything and attached to nothing. Uh, Radical transparency or radical open-mindedness has been a major benefit for these experiences and in general, but like strictly tied to getting into the ultra world. It's been like, look, I have learned about a number of folks' stories from their own experiences in this space. And I'm definitely taken back by it. I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing what the human body can do, but it is a whole nother animal when you actually toe the starting line yourself. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. On today's episode, we are joined by Alec Eichert. Alec is returning to the show. If you want to know more about Alec, you can listen to his first podcast, which I'll have linked in the show notes. On this episode, we dive very specifically into his lessons and journey as an ultra runner. This podcast was really fun for me because of just how the breadth of topics we covered in our first episode, but we really didn't have enough time to go deep. So this one, I really wanted to have more focused. Also, he was attempting his longest ultra yet just days before this conversation. So I wanted it to be a way for Alec to reflect on the journey as a whole and also share what it means to him. And I think we did a great job, but it also means there's going to be a round three because we haven't talked about his experience after the attempt at the Stagecoach 100. And so with that, I'm not going to waste any more time, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Alec Eichert. Okay. And there's other, we could talk Haynes and we could talk yeah, right, exactly. Courtney Dahlwalter, uh, and I can introduce you to a few yeah, other I'm, ultra running folks. I would love to hear that. I mean, I so the other one in... I was, Last year, because of COVID... Are we going? Yeah, I just started awesome. again. Cool. But last year, because of COVID, I read or listened to the book Born to Run. Awesome. I don't know if you've been... Absolutely. And I, the Tara I was, Umara people. I I don't know what it was about it. I think it was because I just I was just like, okay, if I'm going to be outside and I can't go to the gym, I just need to... I just want to be immersed in the running people, basically. And I'd already been into the whole barefoot running scene. I, I wear Merrells and I got... I now have Zeros. Yeah. too. So I've always just been drawn to like the minimalist aspect of things. And so it was always just, okay, let's just see what this born to run thing's all about. Was it a tough transition for you to become more minimalistic in your running style? Not people really. People talk about the transition yeah. going from what a lot of people think are like, an improper evolution like, <laughs> of our shoes today where there's too much cushion yeah. and the way that our bodies were designed is to run barefoot. Yeah. At least that is certainly a pool of thought or a line of thought for a pool of folks. I think I'm a believer in that evolution wouldn't design something that is ineffective, especially since I've immersed myself in it more as I've gotten used to it. And I even had an issue. I had bought like these cross trainer shoes that are like for CrossFit, like gym shoes that you normally use in a CrossFit gym. And I was like, oh, maybe I wear these because I'm doing a lot of like field type workouts with sandbags and kettlebells and I'm also running Maybe I'll just have one shoe that does it all, right? And I wound up having this weird thing where my right knee was like super, I couldn't do like a split squat without being super unstable and it would be like painful, like kind of an impingement. Changed back to the Merrill Vibram shoes, Mm. went away in the week. And ever since I switched those shoes, it's never coming back. And I'm like, well, I guess we're just going to just keep it simple. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's fascinating to think about. And Born to Run did a great job of touching on the popularity and value or meaning behind running barefoot and just Mm -hmm. how humans have evolved over time, Mm -hmm. which is fascinating. It's a a great book, though. I, I thought it was great. When's your first ultra then? I take it. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've thought about it, honestly, or at least the first marathon, because I've done a 5K. I haven't done a, a half marathon. And I haven't done a marathon, but I feel like at some point I'm going to have to just do it because I've done, I've technically, eh, I guess I've done a half marathon because I've done tough mutters. Sure. So <laughs> the question is, do you want to do it? Maybe. I don't know. I haven't really asked myself if I've, it's more of like a mental challenge to me. It's not like the yeah. distance that scares me. It's more of, am I prepared to put the effort in to do the thing? 
and then hate myself <laughs> for, for the last half of it or whatever. You may, yeah, you may hate it when you're in it, <laughs> yeah. but you'll finish, you'll recover. And then I guess to be determined, but yeah. at least for me, it was like, hey, I didn't die. I think yeah. the only logical <laughs> viewpoint looking forward now is to go try again and go a little further and see how the body responds. Yeah. But yeah, I asked the question if you want it, because I think that's what it all stems down to. Mm-hmm. At least that's what it did for me. Right. Like I think back to the beginning when I first found out about ultra running and it just clicked. Mm-hmm. It was the right timing in my life when I heard the couple of stories around it and got introduced to the community of people not running a marathon, running 50, 100, nowadays 200 miles plus. And I was blown away like, what in the world? <laughs> There's people out here that are running like 100 miles for fun. I just couldn't make sense of it. I was like, what are they running from? You know, <laughs> Or running like, towards, right? Yeah, oh, touche. <laughs> yeah, just crazy. But then, of course, you dive into it. And for me, at least, I was very called to it. I thought there's something so meaningful about intentionally seeking discomfort and putting mm-hmm. yourself voluntarily into an adventure that will not be all sunshine and rainbows. Right. But it seemed very clear that if I were to put myself in these types of events or embark on such an journey that there would be worthwhile lessons learned and wisdom gained that uh, would be able to be applied to, I think, every pillar of life. Mm -hmm. And it's cool. I honestly, in light of the hundred mile they're here in a few days, I'm spending a lot of time reflecting now about first learning about ultra running and just what my thoughts were at that time. Like how did the journey evolve to this point? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) And just like all the discomfort and pain I've endured to get to where we're at today and comparing, of course, like Mm -hmm. my thoughts then to now, I guess I would consider myself an ultra runner just given I've gone through it a few times now (laughs) and reflecting of, I went into these experiences with maybe a pre-perceived notion of what it would be and what I would take away, Mm -hmm. but now living through it, taking a step back and thinking, what have I learned and yeah. piecing things together? So it's been eventful. I guess the, it's the, been painful. <laughs> yeah. The easy part, or maybe the first question would be what has changed? Cause I'll, obviously a lot of it is the same for you probably because you wouldn't still be doing it if you didn't see value in it. Yeah. I love the journey. That's the one thing that I think could keep me doing these races for as long as the body's yeah. available to do it. But yeah, there's so many parts to it. There's personally what I've gained, well, in each of these race experiences, because that's the other thing is each race has been so different. Mm-hmm. Like the first race, because I've taken the, at least I think, the logical <laughs> approach <laughs> to running a hundred miler. And it was impulsively and sporadically sign up for a half marathon just to gauge where I'm at. Yeah. And I finished it with a dear friend of mine, Matt, who has been with me on every one of these ultra marathon journeys. And I didn't die. And I wasn't certainly prepared in any form for that. So it was like a very baseline benchmark Mm -hmm. of just where we at today. What will this experience be like? My strategy was awful in hindsight. It was like run three quarters of a mile at a fast, comfortable pace Mm -hmm. and then just walk a quarter mile. But granted, too, I had a wedding the night before and I wasn't in pristine condition. And so it was one of those moments of, wow, I woke up and I was like, I actually am signed up for this thing. So I literally put my shoes on. I showed up to the race. My buddy, Matt, he's there earlier. It's the, It was called the Muddy Monk. It was, I think, in like Wisconsin mm-hmm. nearby the Illinois border. And I was in Lake Geneva the night before. Definitely enjoyed myself at this wedding. And I just woke up, popped a few Advil and just drove on over and everyone's there. Great environment. People are super excited as they should be such an awesome event. Mm -hmm. And they're stretching. They're with their families. They're taking photos. (laughs) And I literally just showed up. I just put my shoes on. I I don't even think I've bent down at all. Like the only, I probably lifted my foot to put my shoe on. There was no stretching. It was just like, (laughs) frankly, I'm sure I should be doing this at another time in light of last night's events, but Nonetheless, we're committed. So I put the shoes on and I turned to my buddy Matt and he's actually ready for this. And I look at him, I was like, hey, there's a good chance. Like, I'm not going to be able to run a long time at one go. So here's our new strategy, shooting from the hip. Let's just run until we can't run. And more so until I can't run. And he's incredible friends. So he just supported moral, it. Moral support. Oh man, he gets all the credit, but he bared with it and had to hear my remarks along the race of just, oh my gosh, is this long? It's never going to end. But we did finish and it was a cool experience and that was good. But 
it was in light of Goggins' inspiration right after the whole personal transition in 2016 and then hearing his podcast on Joe Rogan, I think for the first time that I distinctively remember I was driving in California, heard this podcast, heard his story, love Rogan's style. Mm-hmm. What was it, two, three hours? Probably. Just, <laughs> yeah, open, free-flowing. And I called Matt up right after, and I was like, hey, we have to do something hard. And he's did you listen to the podcast? I was like, yes. <laughs> you did too? He's like, yeah. And I was like, it's a no-brainer. And See, if you're, uh, if you're doing the documentary, you'd have the side-by-side of both of you listening at the same time and have- This is a no-brainer. Like, we've been Maybe comfortable for bubbles. too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's such a beautiful- Example of our friendship, though, yeah. is just same page, same time. Who calls each other and says, hey, are you comfy right now? He's like, yeah, how about you? Yep, so we need to go sign some sign up to do something hard. It's the only logical response. <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, agreed on Death Valley Trail Marathon. I know last time we did this podcast, I... We get the Spark Notes version of this. I think, one. and again, in light of just all the other races, maybe I'll keep it surface level for now and we can circle back if needed. Yeah. But Death Valley was to date the most honestly like besides losing my dad in 2016 i think death valley marathon for me personally to date has been the second most life changing and transformative experience i've had that race i ill prepared for it went into it ill prepared in hindsight obviously i could have done a thousand things better but we started yeah and i distinctively remember like by mile five, six, we started going up these massive foothills leading up into the the mountainous canyons that we would go through to get to the other side to finish this marathon. And, uh, yeah, I started losing my pace and just felt the body get real angry real quick. And I'm like, Oh, there's (laughs) no way it could be happening. It's only mile five or six or it's so soon. Like we just started, this is, we got a whole long way to go. (laughs) And, And leading up to that, Matt did a great job training to date, as I explain each of these races, again, he is just an animal on the training front. He just completed a half Ironman yesterday and it was his first go and did so just in so well-performed fashion. I think he's going to go on and like actually perform at these incredible distances. He already is, frankly. Yeah. It's insane. He's taken first in our age group in like multiple of these ultra runs, which is incredible. There's not many landlocked flat runners as they call us from the midwest attempting ultra, ultra oh that's a good at. point because yeah, yeah. We're in, we don't have the altitude advantage at all like just literally run flat i literally have probably put so much time no i for sure have put so much time i've probably put too much time into finding the tallest hill in chicagoland <laughs> i've gone to every hill to find which one is the tallest and then run it uh and attempt to train but so death valley matt trained really well for that race and it was on these foothills that he just took off mm-hmm. and i was like yep there there he goes and i expected it to an extent right but then for me i was found a couple new friends as we're still running up this never-ending hill and you know, some of these friends were much older than me, like two to three times my age. And just then they took off up the hill. And at this point, I'm thinking like, oh, I'm definitely not doing well. The body's not not like, really. This is a whole different muscle group that my body's not used to That's using. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, my body was sending me a message really clear there. Like, hey, you should have much better prepared for this. And instead, or just as a result now, we're going to put you through some notable discomfort. And I made it on top of that hill. And I remember that the body started just breaking down tremendously. And again, for the sake of keeping it shorter, because this could have the capacity of being very long uh, and very detailed. But that race, I was in critical. <laughs> you were redlining yourself? I was yourself? in critical condition <laughs> by before the halfway point. Man. And just first time I ever heard about salt pills, which are really popular in oh. the ultra running community. And it's not just salt pills. It's like your salt intake in general, all the different forms it can come through. But yeah, I remember asking a guy because my quads had tightened up and cramped to the point where they were just concrete and I just had to lay down and it was like mile eight and it was so debilitating at that point and defeating and I was like, oh man. Is that partly because of the hills and the the temperature? yeah, environment, dryness there. Death Valley aptly has its name, I mean, (laughs) properly. It's just a super tough environment and yeah, and then very much because I wasn't trained properly for it and we had already climbed, I think, a thousand feet. Wow. And- my quads clearly were super upset. So they locked up and I remember sitting there and some guy comes along and he's like, Hey man, are you going through cramps? I was like, yeah. 
And he's like, just take this little pill. And like, luckily it wasn't anything, you know, psychedelic <laughs> or something. And I didn't roam off into the mountains and they found me a few days later dancing with my imaginary friends. But <laughs> that aside, it was like, no, it's a soft pill. It'll just simply help with the cramps. And I must have taken so many of those that day. And I also did what's now a no-no is you don't take ibuprofen, Advil, Tylenol, acetaminophen. I think there's a name for it. It's yeah. N-S-A-I-D. I think. Oh, yeah. Nan said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I've seen it enough. I haven't taken the lip, you know, yeah. the time to actually look up what it is, but it is. It's the group of all these medicines that help you deal and prevent pain, but you don't take them in these races. And mm. there's a massive amount of research and studies that show it adversely impacts your kidney, your liver in serious ways that especially when you're exerting and pushing your body to far limits, you do not want to put this in your system because it has caused a lot of people that still even take it for these races. And if you talk to medical tents at these definitely farther ultra endurance events, they'll say a large number of folks that come into the medical tent is a result of them popping too many Tylenols or Advils wow. or trying to take preventative medicine. To try and push through the pain with, with <laughs> over-the-counter drugs. <laughs> yeah. And it, again, it's, I can only speak for myself. I did it out of necessity. It was like, I've signed up for this race. I'm going to finish this race after the body went just off the rails so soon. And I was introduced to salt pills and was trying to take some different fuels at the aid stations uh, and hydrate accordingly. Yeah, I got to the point where I was like, does anyone have any Advil? And pop a couple. And then I mean, ran a few more miles and pop a couple. And <laughs> it was like, I'll do anything right now. But obviously in hindsight, I'm sure it didn't help. And frankly, I remembered I was at like mile 15 or 18 and just in in so much pain, to put it simply. More pain than I've ever been in by a long shot. And I remember the cramps wouldn't go away. And this is this next part. It's literally what I think about this somewhat often because it's just one of those moments that was a total game changer for me at this race. Mm -hmm. And I think I was at like mile 17. And mind you, I have been dealing with, it was probably three hours worth of by far the most amount of pain and discomfort I've ever felt up to that point. It was just miserable. And I was like, okay, in part... I signed up for this and this is the ultra experience, even though it wasn't even an ultra by definition as anything past a marathon distance. Right. But I was like, I signed up for this. This is the full experience. You're thinking about Goggins and whatnot. And <laughs> come on, who's going to carry the boats and keep on going. And uh, this guy, this like older gentleman must've been in his sixties and he comes running by me and I, you know, heard the question already that day so many times. Of, hey, how's it going? Are you cramping? And they couldn't see me. I was in a, a noticeable amount of discomfort and I was like, yeah, like my quads have been tightened up for literally hours at this point. I just can't move. I don't know if I should run. I don't know if I should walk. I don't know if I should just literally sit out for 30 minutes, just take a seat and hope that the body rebalances itself. Mm -hmm. And he looks at me and in passing almost gives me these big wide eyes. And he's like, no, he's like, you do not walk. You do not sit. You need to run to this finish line. And he said it in such a matter of fact way. And I looked at him taking aback. I was like, all right, man, like, sounds good. I'm trying to work through this. But he said it so seriously. And I swear to you, he just went on. And I didn't, first off, ever see him again. The rest of the race, never saw him even at the finish line. There's only maybe a couple hundred people that did this race. But at that moment, for whatever reason, mentally, I just locked in. And I was like, maybe there's some logic in his response. Like, the pain's not going to go away. And honestly, the faster I can just get to this finish line, the faster that hopefully I can start the recovery process, which at this point, I'm thinking it's going to take a while. It's going to take a long time. And I did. I The one thing that happened in that moment that contributes now to me saying this was the most life-changing experience I've ever had in terms of ultra running for sure, is that from mile 18 to 26.2, I ended up running around a nine minute mile pace after dealing with insane amounts of discomfort. But more than that, it was like mentally, I actually had just totally risen, not out of the body, obviously, right. but just above the circumstances that was such a special place that I have I don't think I've ever returned to there because in order to return to such a place, I'd have to go through 
similar comparable amounts of discomfort that I endured for those few hours that day. And I don't think I'll ever go back there because my body wasn't prepared to take on a trail marathon in Death Valley. And it was so frankly messed up to that point and even after that, yeah, just really powerful. I used a mantra in that race by Lao Tzu and it was when I let go of who I am, I become who I may be. Wow. And it was like, again, this transformative mantra or transcending mantra (laughs) that totally was applied. And so I finished the race beyond proud of it. It was just an absolute game changer for me. But I also was immobile for not kidding you minimally the next six weeks. I think it was like the next six to eight weeks. I probably should have gone to the hospital, frankly. (laughs) Like I don't talk, you know, I really don't circle back on this that often, but I do think, and it's if I truly like my Matt and those that also saw me at that time, I'm sure would vouch for this, but especially Matt, because he was the only person that saw me post-race in the hotel, en route to the airport, at the airport, when we landed. I was so... I was pretty messed up. I had to use my my wheel. Yeah, (laughs) my feet just felt shattered. And he gave me a tough time, was taking videos, and I would be walking down the hallway. I couldn't even walk from the bedroom to the bathroom. You're like an old man transformed to an old man. I don't even know. All that aside, it was a game changer. So for all those reasons, or I guess all those points that I took away from it, but also because up until that point, I lived my life as a sprinter Mm -hmm. uh, in almost every pillar. And this is honestly more broadly applied, but I inherited a family business at a young age and sought to frankly make a lot of money pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And so I was piecing things together on that front and obviously sought to build a business to a notable scale that would produce a lot of money quickly. And same thing on my personal front with relationships. There was no long-term scope at that time or at least nothing deeply rooted because I was with Claudia at that time. And so that was just really important timing for mm-hmm. our relationship, from my perspective on our relationship of saying, look, like you have been so blessed to find the right girl. Frankly, don't F it up and make <laughs> the investment for the long term yeah. into your relationship with her. And it certainly is not a one-time thing in terms of making that investment. It's perpetual, it's daily, but just that mindset switch. So I called after my Death Valley experience, my takeaway, the grand takeaway was the marathon mentality. Mm. It was like in business and relationships uh, with mentors in life with my health. Yeah. Say, hey, I love these experiences, but how also do I optimize to live as long and as healthy yeah. of a life as possible for as long as possible? So yeah, that's Death Valley. I have a lot to credit that race, but that marathon mentality takeaway, which then was applied and is still applied to every pillar of life to date, that's been by far the most game-changing takeaway that, you know, for everything I'm involved in today, luckily still with the same amazing girl and still surrounded by such amazing friends and family and mentors and still building the same business to date of different iteration, but same umbrella Yeah, and continued across the board. Still obviously seeking to run ultras, but more than that, be as healthy of a human being as I can be all across the board. But mm-hmm. so I'll pause for a second, but yeah. let me know if you want me to keep going on the race recap because yeah. next was, I guess the only thing to add there is that's kind of what I see like the ultra sphere as or marathons in general. It's like this, microcosm of life right how why would you want to do something that you're just going to be in pain or spend more than even an hour running right yeah. is insane for most people and most people live such a fast-paced life these days that time is money right we hear all of these like monikers about don't waste your time in quotes absolutely and it's it's in a weird way like it's counterintuitive is the best way to phrase it that we it's in doing something as difficult or as least time productive as running an ultra or running even just a marathon that we learn so much more about ourselves or confronting struggle so that when we go back to the other stages of our life, other roles in our life, I guess is the best way to say that we can look at it with some fresh perspective. Thousand percent. I had a mentor tell me that the things in life that are worth it are often, if not always the hardest thing or some iteration of that. And to your point, ultra running and just these ultra endurance events, it's often, if not again, always so hard to achieve such, but at the same time, it makes you think. And then you, once you get to experience it in some capacity, 
if not entirely multiple times, yeah, what you learn in the process. They're what I've learned in my races so far mm-hmm. are some of the most profound takeaways of life mm-hmm. that I've just been able to gain. Right. Period. <laughs> I feel like it's so cliche at this point, but it's like the seeing and believing, or in this sense, it's like experiencing is believing. Because it's so out of the normal average experience that most people, I wonder, I'm curious if you have friends who don't do this, that just probably think you're insane for even wanting to do this. I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure they don't tell you or they might. No, they do. Or joking around with you all the time. (laughs) It's frequently that I'll, and especially for what I do, I'm meeting new people every single week. Mm -hmm. And naturally we may mostly be connected for business purposes, but once we get to know one another, they're like, hey, what do you like to do for fun? <laughs> I'm like, I'm passionate about reading. <laughs> I, you know, like to eat the right foods and the occasional running for previously 10, 15 hours soon. I'm sure 30 hours plus climbing mountains, this and that. But yeah, very much on that point. It's, well, it's relative. For I sure. know you and I spoke about this right before we got recording that I think back to before even Death Valley. And before my whole ultra running introduction, and I genuinely had a good, I think, a popular perspective on this community thinking, again, I'm not judging anyone or the community itself, but I'm sure like in order to run a hundred miles, you must be not only deeply rooted in your, why you're doing it. That's why like earlier, not intentionally, but when I asked you, do you want to do it? It's if that deep seated root of want and then probably accompanied by the why is not there. You may get going on some of these races, but I can promise that once it gets super tough and it definitely will, especially the longer the races, it's you're then confronted with the opportunity to dive deep. You've been stripped away from all the superficial reasoning and maybe some of the more glamorous reasoning. Mm-hmm. But once you're truly alone <laughs> in the middle of the mountains, all, you know, by yourself, maybe in the middle of the night, your headphones don't work anymore. You've, you know, ran out of battery and your body is in a world of hurt. You're in, you know, the infamous pain cave as it's so popularly referred to as in the ultra running community. You have only one option, but to truly confront, like, why are you out here? Why are you doing this? What's your why? And hopefully you come to some good conclusions there and choose to keep moving forward. Or you're going to find one real quick. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Yeah. But I can even, again, piecing it together. It's Mm -hmm. like, so after Death Valley, I did the 50K Chicago. Great experience. Nothing too notable from that. It was just far, 31 miles on the lake shore in colder weather. And it was great. Had loved ones there to support and just really positive experience. It was awfully flat. And that was my one time running a flat ultra race. And I thought, absolutely not again. Really? Uh, yeah, it's, there's this advantage to using other muscle groups that when you're running a race that's hilly or mountainous, as I've done every other time, like you look forward to the time when you're not running a 10 mile yeah. stretch. You're just using the same muscle groups over and over again. Then my 50 mile, so post 50K, I signed up for the 50 mile in Monument Valley. And that was a wild experience, super special. We got to run on sacred Navajo land. Oh, wow. And it's just for those that have been to Southern Utah or even Utah in general, but Southern Utah, it's the famous Forrest Gump scene where he's running on that road with the massive buttes and plateaus Mm -hmm. in the background. That's Monument Valley. That's cool. And it was such a special time. It was over 30 plus miles of soft sand. And I did not know this, nor did my buddy Matt going into this race. And let me, it was tough. <laughs> I can only imagine sand yeah. is not fun to run in. <laughs> it was tough, but halfway through the race, we got to climb this 2000 foot butte on top. And it was like that moment I looked forward to just the muscular, yeah. using different muscles. It's like a break. To that point. That's yeah. not a break. If that makes any, like it's counterintuitive, but a break. <laughs> and that's funny you bring it up. Cause I remember in death Valley, we were climbing the foothills that I was referencing earlier when I got tired and I stopped running, I was walking and like walking and at least the running community should be something where, hey, it's genuinely a break. But I remember so vividly that day that once I started walking, I was like, oh my gosh, 
this is so damn hard still. And it was like, I'm hiking. <laughs> and just the amount of exertion and effort that took just to walk, it set in, oh, wow, this is not pleasant either. What yeah. did I sign up for? <laughs> it was humbling. It was, it was awakening. But Monument Valley was great. But to your point, I enjoyed the differences and that mm-hmm. was good contrast to the 50K. In Monument Valley, the thing I would note for that race, which I'm not sure if we got into this yeah, I don't think detail so. Detail last yeah. time. We might have just mentioned it. And I was talking to Claudia about this last night. I kid you not, where, because she's in Utah today mm-hmm. and she's going to explore Zion National Park. And oh, nice. We were there earlier this year and it's just such a magical place. But we had both agreed and she brought it up first that there's something so spiritual about a desert. And of course, you can make the biblical references here. And I even think of, I'm looking at your bookshelf right now. I'm looking at Green Lights, Matthew McConaughey. I think he had gone into the desert for 40 something days or whatnot to go write his memoir. Oh, wow. And these are just a couple of brief examples. And I'm sure there's so many more. But I then think back to my Monument Valley experience and I had, we had started 7 a.m. It was an awesome experience traversing the land during the day, but then the sun went down and I still had another 10-ish miles to go maybe seven or eight to be exact, but the sun goes down. I'm definitely in a world of hurt by that point, deep in the pain cave and looking forward to just finishing the race. My brother had driven from San Diego, like something like 12 hours to get to this place. And so I'm beyond excited to see him, to see Matt and at the finish line and just get there. And this, this was a big deal for me too, because a marathon, a 50 K it's 26 miles. It's 31 miles respectively but like 31 to 50 is a good jump. And I think if anyone that is getting into the ultra running community, that's your first notable jump. It's like your first time you run a marathon. And then the first time you run 50 miles, that's doubling the big effort that you did to start. (laughs) And yeah, I was just beyond excited to get there. I'd reached mile 40, 43, even past paths with a goat, which for those that know me know, I just think goats are absolutely badass. (laughs) I think they're incredible creatures. And so- (laughs) divine or not i was like this is exactly the type of energy i need in my life right now like i needed some goat energy right just goats are telling you those that know goats are as uh rad of an animal as they come so total goat energy for sure and so the sun goes down and i'm just wandering alone and i think it was like miles 45 to probably 48 or so was the most spiritual experience I've ever encountered. Like it was just me and I purposefully put on some just worship music and whatnot, some songs that I've just grown close to in the past for the times that I've gotten introduced to Christianity and all things related. And it was just such a powerful experience. I genuinely felt so close to just this spiritual spirit and presence and support. And uh, I think back to that moment because it was so pure, like just alone in the desert, stars were out for days. There were no lights around me. Yes, I was in a world of hurt, like hobbling along this road. If no one knew we were doing an ultra, I'm sure they would have been like, someone needs to help this guy. He's like dragging his right leg, you know, behind him type of deal. But in your head in the clouds a little bit and you're like, this is great. Absolutely. And I just had this song playing in the background and it was, oh my goodness, so beautiful. But Like that type of moment. Mm -hmm. If I didn't put all of that investment into all the races prior and everything up until that point, I wouldn't have had that experience. And that was such a pure experience for me that made it all worth it. So I finished that race and it was awesome, awesome experience for me. And then earlier this year, so the next up in the ultra journey was the 100K. And I, again, think we noted this last time, but that was May 1st this year. Super special just in that for one, of course, the farthest distance I've done yet. So 100K is 62 miles, did it in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. Took me 15 and a half hours. The 50 miler took me 13 and a half hours. So that was my first truly long day. Besides the mountaineering stuff, I had some similar experiences there. But yeah, this 100K was gnarly because we started at 5 p.m. Oh, wow. Uh, I feel like that's just a late start for something that long. Absolutely. It was, so it was intentional to run through the night. Okay. And yeah, finished it at 8.30 a.m., 15 and a half hours later. It was over 20,000 feet of elevation change. So over 10,000 feet of up, which like, again, a lot of these races too, at least for me and probably Matt too, as we talk about it, you read these race profiles 
And you're like, oh, dude, check this out. This one has 30,000 feet of elevation change. And you may sign up for it. And it sounds super cool until you get there. And you're like, and why you run did the I first to- hill. <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh. We know for a fact this hill is only like 500 feet. And you run it and you finish it. And you're looking ahead like I got 50 more miles to go. And just Like you said, us flatlanders don't know anything about hills. <laughs> absolutely not. My absolute respect goes out to all the hill and mountain runners out there. They're also... I'm not sure where this stems from, but frequently called sky runners. Oh, interesting. It's big in Europe, I think, but like Killian Jornet, who's probably one of the most, for sure, one of the most popular ultra endurance faces on the planet. Just the guy's grown up, I think, in like the Swiss or Italian Alps. And okay. Yeah. He was a professional skier at a young age and just transferred and became this world-class ultra runner. Hmm. But people refer to him and I'm sure those like him as sky runners. And I'm like, if you needed an ounce of inspiration to just attempt such a thing. The fact that you could be called the Skyrunner. That sounds awesome. Oh my goodness. I mean, I'm just thinking Star Wars references. You're one step away from Skywalker. Come on, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And I'm sure many appreciate that reference for sure. That's amazing. That's why I went immediately. I was like... (laughs) (laughs) I love that, man. I love that. Yeah, it's so... It's... Yeah, it's... So the 100K, I mean, it was... It was a special experience for those noted reasons, but also I got into this journey largely because of the inspiration from my dad and uh, just all that I took away from seeing him go through what he went through leading up to, unfortunately, his passing in 2016. And yeah, I ran it on May 1st this year. He would have turned 62 years old, ran 62 miles, and then the kind of cherry on top was I finished 62nd place. Oh my God. Wow. What what are the odds of that? Unbelievable. (laughs) And so that was awesome. And that was just, again, I was surrounded by loved ones at that Mm -hmm. race and so many came out to support and that just means the world. Um, There couldn't be enough credit given to those that show the support for these experiences. The community gets its credit, I think, because when you go to these events, whether you're running or not, you're just surrounded by such beautiful people that just have such a genuine love and support for others. And obviously you're seeing people, myself included, if you're participating in these races, attempting such feats. And I'm yeah, Attempting the impossible in, in a I'm lot sure. of ways. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm like, sure. I don't know what's the, the through line I'm just getting out of all of this is like each one of these have their own like cherry on top that you took away. And it's only yeah. by attempting it because it's, it's almost even if you went in prepared, you wouldn't know like reading, like you said, reading 30,000 elevation kind of has a connotation of, wow, that's badass, but it's not until you're in it that you realize what that means and like what it feels like. Absolutely. And (laughs) and this is, I think, full circle. Didn't we reference this earlier in this podcast of the relativity here, right? Of just what it, and maybe this is like a phenomenal segue into the hundred mile distance now, because (laughs) four years ago, I think was when I first learned that people are out here running a hundred plus miles. And so my thoughts then was like, that's insane. But, you know, given all things up to that <laughs> point, I'll go try a marathon yeah. and we'll see how it goes. And then I understand if that simply put doesn't kill me then. And I had somewhat of a good time as long as I take away like one thing. Yeah. There's the other, there's this underlying essence. Also one of my favorite quotes that if you diminish your expectations, mm-hmm. anything seems everything. And so going into these, and there's another quote too, that I think is in line with that, which is be open to everything and attached to nothing. And obviously I think that's more on just your belief side and the idea side, but I love those two because I do my best to really minimize expectations in general in life, but also being open to everything and attached to nothing, uh, radical transparency or radical open-mindedness has been a major benefit for these experiences and in general, but like strictly tied to getting into the ultra world. It's been like, look, I have learned about a number of folks stories from their own experiences in this space. And I'm definitely taken back by it. I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing what the human body can do, but it is a whole nother animal when you actually tow the starting line yourself. And it's even before you accomplish any of these distances, just the ability or just the opportunity or whichever word is proper of putting yourself at that starting line and voluntarily committing to just taking as many steps as you may that day, just 
sending it, frankly. And it's, look, it's not going to go perfect. There's probably a lot that's going to go wrong, but at least I will learn along the way. And there's many that don't finish these races and their stomach goes super bad or mentally, they, you know, just weren't in the right place that day or physically they had an ailment or an injury or so many different things. But I still think it's so amazing to see everybody towed up at the start of these events. Yeah. And it's everything too. Like I just really want to get home this point. Doesn't matter if it's a 5k. Doesn't matter if it's 200 miles for some folks nowadays. It doesn't matter if it's simply hiking the local trail or walking your dog a bit further. The application's truly incredible. Mm -hmm. And that's the full circle for me before getting into the 100 mile stuff is like in general, the application of doing this, doing these races, having these experiences voluntarily, putting myself into a lot of discomfort, but being able to being blessed enough to reach the finish line for a few of these so yeah. far, the takeaways have just been universally applicable in every, in every pillar. And that like that alone keeps me going into the next one. It's once you find the way is in all things. Yeah. You know, I it's love that. It's one of those things that I always look at when I imagine any of these people that commit to mastery or just doing the most difficult thing they can imagine for themselves and saying, I don't care how much it hurts, but I'm going to keep going. And it, I don't know what it is about that. I don't know. Maybe it's just character and it's it's maybe because I've been thinking about it a lot with, I'm reading a book. It's called the road to character right now by David Brooks. Okay. And it's all about this, how culture is shifted around basically losing sight of how to build character. And, and how looking back from the last 100 years, roughly, and saying this is what America was like or different people in, in the last 100 years used to carry themselves. Timely it, book, to say the least. Yeah, I it was recommended to me, and I was like, I've had this on my shelf for a long time, and for whatever reason, it just... I'm like, I needed to pick it up and I have my highlighter and I'm just like, every page is like a block of text that I'm highlighting. And I'm like, oh God, here we go. Those are the best though. Those are truly the best. Yeah, absolutely. And Jordan Peterson's book and Mm -hmm. frankly, regardless. Just finished his newest one myself. And yeah, on the final rule. Yeah, I literally just finished it last week as as I've been riding my bike and running every, that's been my companion to to get me through my runs and rides. I'm a huge fan. (laughs) And I think regardless of, people's personal opinion on the guy Mm -hmm. his last two books 12 rules for life and i guess 12 new rules or 12 more rules for life beyond order that is i think it was in the first book that his one rule i don't know which one it was but was just simply clean your room and i know that's become it's been used a lot (laughs) yes first off i claudia made me aware of this the other day i think it was this specific quote that should be properly attributed to carl jung or young, yeah. if I mispronounced it, she'll definitely let me know about this later. <laughs> this whole essence of clean your room, though, I loved it. And I think Jordan's done a great job mm-hmm. of displaying this point and then getting it out to a widespread audience. Because again, regardless of political party, especially in today's world where there certainly is notably a lot of division. Yes. I love the essence of clean your room and get your own situation at home personally, internally, however we want to interpret that in order before you go and try to change the world. Yeah. And that's just so essential in so many ways. When you're talking about the book you're reading, I think it's those types of principles that's rooted in stoicism. It's rooted in biblical doctrine. It's rooted in Eastern philosophy. Yeah. If you're reading all sorts of, we um, mentioned, we mentioned all of those basically percent already. Well, and it's just fascinating because I know you and I are avid readers. Yeah. And it's, you can go with an open mind, consume all this different content from all walks of life and different parts of the world, but there are the same underlying fabrics in terms of principles of just how to be a good human, how to live the best life possible in whatever way or version that means to you. But it's powerful because I do think full circle for just what I've experienced on the ultra front. Oh, now yeah, go for it. One please. more thing before no, we move on to that, because I think it'll tie please. in. Um, the premise of the road to character is as he opens it, is he talks about the, it's like eulogy virtues and resume virtues. And he talks about how mm. modern society has basically built around resume virtues, building the better business, looking nice on a LinkedIn profile, looking all of those kinds of things. Where that his, is so good. Where he wants, what he uses character as is, is what eulogy is. What do people remember you for? And it's not how much money you have in the bank account. It's not all of these things. And so what he's trying to do is take real life stories, 
and weave them back into the culture. And sure, there was problems of all these time periods before us is just as problems in our time period when we're old and but no that's huge i I thought you'd enjoy that just given the context of why you got into ultra running one thousand percent jesse itzler build your life Mm -hmm. resume is i think it's a company but it's also just this movement this idea Mm -hmm. that he's done such a great job building in full circle like he hired david goggins to come live with him for x amount of days that culminated in him writing the book living with a seal which is a bestseller and just an awesome story. But yeah, it's what you're touching. You said it was eulogy. Yeah, virtues. Yeah, I just love that. I love that so much because I don't think enough people take the time to really do the deep introspective work to figure out who am I? Right. What do I want to do? First off, even what gives me energy? What are my passions? What are my strengths? Maybe what lies outside of that too. Not necessarily weaknesses, but yeah, I mean, being very clear on just, look, you have one life truly take the time and it's so silly like people get so caught up in living day to day and what they i'm sure consider the fast lane like everybody's busy that's remarkable to me (laughs) like i meet people that are insanely busy and then other people that i think live well just less far less busy of a life yet they all consider themselves as busy as one another so it's like <laughs> busy is a relative term 100 percent. and i have a, a dear friend connor that you know him and i do well we hold each other accountable mm-hmm. of not using the word busy oh okay and it's when we call each other up because we both know we have a lot going on but it's like hey don't get caught in this habit of saying, hey, I'm, I'm too busy or just, mm-hmm. man, things are super busy right now and almost using that as an excuse. It's like we're all in the driver's seat choosing how to fill our time. And frankly, like whether we choose how to fill our time or more so if we do not choose how to fill our time, we're going to play to someone else's game plan. But yeah, ultimately what I'm getting at is it's super important to do the deep introspective work to figure out what's your lane, what gives you passion, energy, where you, where do you really want to invest your time yeah. and skill set into and what matters, what matters today and what matters down the road. Um, and so I think it's super powerful what you're reading because it's timeless. And when you can <laughs> now read that or anyone can read that and then go apply it. Yeah. And that honestly has been like the whole ultra experience is look, I've read about it a few years ago and yeah. I had this grand idea <laughs> Or I just, I learned about people running a hundred plus miles and I thought that's amazing. I'm just super intrigued by it. I had no interest or no ability at the time to even run a few miles, but I was like, that's a worthwhile goal. Yeah. So fast forward as we are now, I guess, as of today, six days away from the ultra or from the hundred miler, it's called the Stagecoach line a hundred and it's from Flagstaff to the South Rim and the Grand Canyon. Oh, that'll be cool. Super excited, man. And I just, I'm really happy that we're doing this because I love the idea of having, well, in general, I've been reflecting a lot of just, yeah, obviously, I'm, I'm sure the like, last it's three, all four just years. Coming together as just like this. It's been a lot. Summation of experience since 2016, basically. Just to, at least if I was doing it, I would be checking in with myself and be like, am I still in it? 100%. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm more in it today than I ever have been just because I've had success, right? Mm-hmm. is relative, at least how one can define it. But for me, I feel incredibly successful, grateful to have accomplished the races in the past and now teed up to even again, toe the line at this race. Right. Like just the opportunity and the health to give it a go. For me, I'm breaking this race up into smaller segments. That's really all you can do. Right. There's an element that's high, highly intimidating about it to just address it as it is. Because this past race I did 100k 62 miles took me 15 and a half hours to finish and when I say it was a long time out there it was a long time out there it was and it was yeah oh man if there's any way to change the time time can feel different to absolutely yeah (laughs) yeah and so it's almost scary to think like this upcoming race may be double right what I literally thought was so long extra miles yeah exactly (laughs) So the goal is, the cutoff is 31 hours. My goal is 28 hours. My thinking is like, if I can run the first 50 miles in 12 hours, that will give me margin on the back end to deal with, I'm sure, what will be a lot of problems. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And that that also too is all, at the end of the day, I think a lot of ultra running is you can come into it with this grand plan, 
but just get going. And I promise your plan's going to be derailed <laughs> before it's... I mean, I feel like that more than anyone else <laughs> as you've gone through this journey. <laughs> yeah. And I would think like fellow ultra runners are in a similar boat because... Yeah, I've, I haven't ever been above and beyond on the planning end. And I have a dear friend that's teeing the start line with me. Uh, and I say this lovingly, but he is very methodical and like he's very yeah. analytical. And I know that he's calculating all sorts of things on this race. And it's his first ultra experience and he's doing 55K. And it's such an amazing achievement. I was telling you about yeah. him before this podcast. Two, two or so years ago, he had a spinal fusion, which I mean, I've recently learned about. And it's unbelievable what he has done. I think he's 50 years old or so. It's unbelievable what he's done in the last couple of years in terms of meditation and healing and just the mental fortitude to get his body to the point now where he's going to go attempt to run 34 miles. (laughs) I I love that on so many levels. Like it's one of the weird things about being so engineering and scientific focused, but I've always, there's always that X factor for me in the back of the, There's something about the human spirit or whatever mm. you want to call it that un, is unquantifiable. And you could find that like hidden gear, whatever you call it. Like when you recounted your death Valley experience of the guy that just offhand, like, you just got to run and you're like, you're right. I do. Hey, look, I don't know <laughs> if you're real or not, but I'll take this advice and I'll just apply it. Well, if we were back in the Greeks or something, that would have been Zeus or something. You know oh, I, mean? I love it. <laughs> I, uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> I've read another book on the mortality key recently, so I'm uh, immersed in Greek mythology. Oh, no, that's amazing. So. Um, yeah, that's uh, for, literally for those that are super close with me know I've used the nickname Zeus often. Oh my God. Over, like, I'm not kidding you. I had no idea. I'm not I didn't kidding set you. this there's, up at all. <laughs> there's literally a select few very close friends and family that are hopefully chuckling at this point, recognizing <laughs> that you brought that name up uh, in this context. And same with the goat earlier. So there's few different things that right. <laughs> have deep meaning to me and you're somehow touching on them, which is amazing and uh, and wild at the same time. It was not planned by any no. means. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, no, it's, so I'm just I'm super excited for it. Yeah, it's been, there's, there's just a lot to think about at this point, mm-hmm. but honestly, it's gratitude first and foremost of just, mm-hmm getting out there. So blessed to have Matt, Tim, Tim's a gentleman I was referencing a little bit ago, mm-hmm. teeing this, towing the start line with me. He's going to run 55 K and Matt's going to crew and pace. I mean, I certainly probably need him the most and Claudia's coming out, which is amazing and means the world. And so super excited. And honestly, like the name of the game is just to break the race up into smaller chunks, manageable yeah. chunks. Cause as I was alluding to a little bit ago, like it's, if I were to really look at it, from the 10,000 foot view above, like I'll be out there for almost 30 hours. Yeah. Uh, I might have hallucinations at night, which is just stories I've heard from fellow. Yep. I've heard plenty of those too. <laughs> and I'm not necessarily too cool with that. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. One of those things that maybe part of me is certainly hesitant towards it. But at the same time, it's like at this point, above all, I trust the process. Yeah. I trust what will occur in just sending this, right? Yeah. Just giving this a go, putting one foot in front of the other, dealing with a lot of problems along the way. The problem solving element is invaluable. It's yeah. timeless. I'm sure those could only imagine how applicable it is into every other thing I now do in life that I think may be a problem. Mm-hmm. And just, it's absolutely, I'm unfazed by most. Uh, <laughs> and not in any braggadocious way, but just like the relativity, right? It's what I encounter on these races are actual problems where I'm thinking, oh man, like I really need to make a proper call here with my body, with my nutrition, because the stakes are just so extreme at this point. Yeah. That obviously when I get back at home and there's a news headline, I'm certainly not going to be too affected by the majority of it or whatnot. Maybe that's not the (laughs) ideal example, but so no, I mean, just breaking it up into smaller segments and uh, looking forward to certainly diving into the pain cave if I can too. Like there, I was listening to an ultra running podcast the other day between Rich Roll okay. and Courtney Dahlwalter. Oh, that's cool. Are you familiar with Courtney? I've- A bit. I know Rich I, you're familiar with, but- I know Rich because I've listened to a couple of his podcasts. I think yeah. Courtney, last time I heard from her, she was on Rogan probably yeah, two years ago. Maybe. Okay. I haven't listened to her recently. Well, no, if you listen to her two years ago, she probably talked about the Moab 240. Yes. And she had won it. Won, she was the first place on that. Yes. And so this is awesome, if, especially <laughs> that you're familiar. <laughs> She won that race, I think it was in 2017, 238 miles through Moab. That's mind-boggling to me. (laughs) Second place was 10 hours behind her. 
a male. So not only did Rose as the most elite woman ultra runner, but like she, and I just love this so much because it's just, it's so amazing face value and when you look into it, but like she beat the second place runner. I forget the guy's name, but by 10 hours, and I think like by 20 miles. <laughs> so crazy. It's unbelievable. And I love this. She's such a wonderful face of the ultra running community. Uh-huh. She is just like the most bubbly, happy, she seems normal. Joyful, like, like, like normal Average seeming. person. Like, if you never would have met her or introduced her as, hey, she did the Moab 240. And then you look at her and you, yeah. you'd never guess it. Seriously, though. <laughs> she loves nachos. I think like burgers. I think she's she like, I drink beer. Because yes. Rogan, he's always about, what's your supplement routine or 100%. whatever. He's like, I don't know. I drink Coors or Miller. I forget what she said. <laughs> That's a great segue into what I took away the other day listening to her and Rich was Rich as well. And he's a prolific ultra endurance athlete mm-hmm. who's created a tremendous personal brand around and he's another now. like late bloomer yeah too right amazing story then got into it at, i think he says he peaks at four he peaked at 43 years old yeah and he did what i forget the name is but he did full five full ironman triathlons oh. each of the hawaiian islands in five days in a row which at that time was an insanely remarkable achievement yeah. but nowadays you have uh james lawrence iron cowboy I think it was two years ago, he did 50 Ironman triathlons in 50 states in 50 days. And just recently this year, he did the project Conquer 100 and he did 100 Ironman triathlons or Ironman distance triathlons in a hundred days in a row and it is now this is like an incredible feat of endurance, man. (laughs) It is unfathomable. Well, Matt, he finished this half Ironman yesterday and immediately after finishing, I, of course, was just dying to ask him, now that you have a frame of reference, <laughs> how crazy is it what Iron Cowboy did? And it was awesome to hear his response because anybody, period. And for those that don't know, a full-length Ironman triathlon is almost two and a half miles swimming, 2.4 miles swimming, 110 miles biking, I think, and a full marathon running. So 26.2 miles. Yeah. it's And to think you repeat that, Every day, Every day for a hundred days for heck, even two days in a row for five days for 10 days. I hope some of these guys have whoops on them. I'd love oh. to be, I'd love to see what their data looks like. I know for a fact, uh, <laughs> I've been following Iron Cowboy now and I'm sure he's being, I know he's being studied by the top scientists oh, in the entire world at this now. Point. <laughs> it's just insane. But the one thing to bring it all full circle is I was listening to Courtney and Rich was diving in about just what's your approach when you're running 100, 200 miles? Do you have a coach? Do you have strict training regimen? All these things. And she was like, honestly, no. Simply put, (laughs) I just wake up. Such a blessing to be able to just feel out how am I doing today and how far am I going to go run? And she's like, honestly, I just listen to my body and I flow with this. And I think that is, first off, I can relate to that because I do not train at the very top level for these types of events right now. I'm not pushing super crazy mileage per week and I'm just really in tune. I'd like to think I'm in tune with my body or at least trying to be. So there's no strict regimen, which is ironic (laughs) because I followed such a regimen my entire life for the first 22 plus years. So yeah, I just love Courtney's approach because there certainly is and are such methodical analytical people out there that I'm also sure their success is predicated on their approach and that's beautiful and that works for so many but I love to hear that there's also these they don't even have to be elite but just those that are doing these events completing it listening to their body they're so in tune with just how they feel the feeling the whole experience and she said this and I'll I guess close with this point Mm -hmm. and that as she got into ultra running from the from the beginning she used to try to push off the pain cave for as long as possible. Like it was this place that she just tried to avoid. Mm -hmm. And I certainly, in a sense, abide by similar doctrine to date even, where it's I've been in a lot of discomfort. And so naturally I'm thinking like, how can I just push that off as far as possible? But then she said, where in the last year or two, she's flipped it. And now it's absolutely welcoming the pain cave and, and trying to get there as soon as possible. Oh, and like, interesting. Once you get in there, she literally used this analogy where then it's just her with her chisel, just breaking away and expanding the pain cave and like building a better home in there. <laughs> and I'm like, that is just an incredible visual. And she said, oh. she's such a visual person, but I'm not kidding. Like 
the timing of this podcast was just a couple of days ago as I was doing some training, final training before this race here later this week. And honestly, I'm going to totally take that heading into this race of look, like do not push off this pain cave. If anything, welcome it whenever it comes. I'm sure if it's anything like past experience, it's going to be pretty soon (laughs) since getting going. But just once you're in there, get comfy, set yourself up a nice little room, get yourself a drink, have the right food, (laughs) put on something good, grab a nice book and uh, settle in because I'll be in there for what could be almost 30 hours. But I think that's the art though, is you've got to welcome it. You've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable and as cliche as it is keep on going it's like these truisms right they just yeah there's infinitely valuable and no matter when and where you are in life it just wherever you are in life it just makes sense and it's timeless i don't know what is it talking to you but it's like come up with a title as you say something and it's like welcome to the pain cave feels like (laughs) i would be honored (laughs) i'd be honored it's a place that has been discovered and i'm sure so many ultra runners endured by so many will feel it (laughs) as soon as they see the title they'll be like yep i've been there done that you just know it's inevitable. It's like a warm blanket after a while, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, man. I just, yeah. These conversations are so rejuvenating for me. I don't know what it is about Likewise, podcasts it. for me, but it's, I've been doing so much working, what's going on in my own life and getting comfortable on the working side. So it's like you put other things in the back burner, which is sure. the, the vocation that is this podcast. But every time I have a meaningful conversation, it's, oh yeah, this is why you do that thing. Back to the character thing. It's the thing that you're called to do that doesn't require <laughs> yeah. a, a monetary reward, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And, and yeah, it's never a simple path, at least from my perspective. Mm-hmm. It's never that simple. It is important to just, again, I especially recently think a lot about first learning about the ultra running community and these types of events and thinking definitely what may be next. I'm definitely not putting the cart before the horse here. So it's, we'll talk after the Saturday. Yes, I am. And and I'm sure I'll be rooting for you at least via the sidelines. Super appreciate it. It's cool for me as always, like the part of it is just being able to brush shoulders with people getting after in life to, to use a Jocko Willing term, but that's really what it is for me. It's whatever it is that you're pushing your edge, everyone's edge is different, but we're all pushing it. And it's like collecting a group of people that are just in it. And that that's what's special to me. And, and I think the other part of it too, is you've mentioned it so many times throughout this conversation is just the, it takes a village to do anything. And you, you just mentioned all of the people who do this with you and support you unconditionally through the process. And I think that should not go unmentioned again, because like it's, it sounds something so solitary, right? Like you've mentioned it more than once just to be out on the trail for that long, but it's those people that are there rooting for you, even though they're not nearby that you can feed that fire while you're in the cave. (laughs) That's the perfect closing note. I think it may be me running this race, but honestly, in every component of life right now, Uh, I am a product simply of just those around. And again, it could be taken very cliche, but as I look back over the last number of years, like what I've taken away from mentor figures, from all those that support and all those period, but many have said it, I'll certainly jump on the bandwagon of just like (laughs) I, what I've done or in general, standing on the shoulders of giants I'm in. And so full credit goes to, and I could start giving my accepting speech and thanking everybody (laughs) around me name by name, but it is in every pillar of life from business, relationships, health, especially these adventures. And I don't know if I said business, but yeah, in every pillar, like mentors in each that exhibit a level of success that I've always admired and I'm actively seeking yeah. and just taking away the principles and experiences and lessons learned from them and looking to apply it. Yeah. But absolutely full credit goes to those <laughs> around the support because I certainly wouldn't be able to be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for those that offer up an encouraging word for those that clap their hands for those that obviously show up and attempt to change my shoes at mile 65 (laughs) and give me a cold water, whatever it may be. But seriously though, we're totally products of just those that we're around and for all that we achieve, it's the product of, again, all the more of those we're around. And I think that'll do it for this round two. And I won't say 
it's over because it's definitely to be continued. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, super appreciate the opportunity. Again, I know I said it last time, but love what you're doing. Love the platform. Really grateful for just the conversation and personally the opportunity literally to, to reflect as we speak of yeah. just what a journey it's been and to have a structured conversation on this. So really appreciate it. And you're doing an awesome job. So I appreciate that. And to continually pushing the edge. <laughs> Let's go. Keep going. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. And as always, I'd love to hear from you. And I really just want to make this podcast the best podcast you listen to. Meaning, if there's anything that you really enjoyed or any feedback for us, I would love for you to reach out on the social medias. You can find Feeding Curiosity across LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram in the usual places just by searching Feeding Curiosity. You can also send us an email or a message through the website. You can also support the work that we're doing here, including the podcast and all other content that we produce at Feeding Curiosity by either going to anchor.fm slash feedingcuriosity slash support, or you can head over to the website and hit the support button and support us directly there as well. By supporting the podcast, you effectively keep us from having to deal with sponsorship and keeping the relationship that me and you, the listener, have as honest and open as possible. As for me, I take the idea of selling products and or sponsoring products very, very serious. Honestly, I just want to provide access to information to as many people as possible with as little of a barrier of entry as possible. At the very least, if you want to do anything to support the podcast, leave a review on the platform of choosing to subscribe, like, rate it, all of that. It helps out a ton. Again, thank you all for listening, and I hope you join in on the next episode. <laughs>